0: I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist, turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical healthcare in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light for the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. I was getting ready for this recording and I cannot believe it, but its it's been 15 weeks. We've spent 15 weeks together. These 15 episodes I feel like have come and gone and it's nearly the end of the year already, which is wild to me. But I'm really excited about this particular episode because we're going to be discussing herbal supplements that I love due to their significant impact in my life and how they support the different systems of the body for optimal wellness. And although I haven't done an episode about it, though I likely will, two of my favorite areas of study and research are ethnobotany and pharmacognosy. For those of you who are unfamiliar with these terms and wondering what the heck those are, let me quickly define. So ethnobotany is the scientific study of how people of a particular culture or region use native plants. So whether it's for food, medicine, shelter, fibers, in ceremonial rituals— It's just this fascinating interdisciplinary study of three of my favorite things, people, culture, and plants. (laughs) Obviously, you understand why I love that. And then pharmacognosy is a branch of pharmacology, which is concerned with the physical characteristics and botanical origins of medicinal substances, especially those obtained from plants. (laughs) So a little history. When I was sick, and trying to figure out what the heck was going on with me, and there wasn't any diagnosis that seemed to make any sense, I was having to do a lot of my own research. And in the process, I was truly grasping for straws. I mean, I was trying everything. But I had this idea that maybe I should study the pharmaceuticals that I was being given that were actually helping and trace them back to their origin utilizing pharmacognosy. For some reason, I thought, that I could pinpoint, or if I could at least pinpoint what plant or herb was contributing the active components to the pills that I was prescribed, I could then research that herb or plant and what ailments or conditions it was used for prior to pharmaceuticals, and then that would give me some kind of indication as to what the heck was going on with me. (laughs) Anyway, looking back there was that actually was it was actually pretty creative I guess <laughs> and it turned out to be a lot more effective and a lot more beneficial than Dr Google and l- last I checked 55,000 to 70,000 plant species have been investigated for their medicinal use I'm I'm sure that that number has increased since my last inquiry but plants especially the ones with ethnopharmacological uses they have been the primary sources of medicine for early for early drug discovery and, and what i learned back then and i've confirmed via medical paper that was actually published in 2001 is that 80% of 122 plant derived drugs are related to their original ethnopharmacological purposes so apparently Herbs and plants are so effectively medicinal that medical researchers and drug companies go to them for wisdom and understanding. So, fast forward, after I healed, I was just smitten by these subject matters, specifically the correlation between herbs, which I think a lot of people discount, and pharmaceuticals, which I think many people believe are the only options. I say all this because supplementation is actually not a new idea, but it has, over time, grown into an industry that, in my opinion, is not nearly as effective as it could be if more people and formulators (laughs) understood this divine connection. So you might be asking yourself, okay, so then, why make pharmaceuticals if nature has already provided the medicine and if you and if you 're asking that i actually I, I really like you <laughs> i like I like how you think, but see nature is unpredictable and it 's wild and and because of this, in my opinion it 's actually perfect in all of its ways, but for the purpose of predictable efficacy, quality control standardization, etc. Drugs are able to be manufactured to be the same every time. They're more consistent. And also due to, like, the growing conditions of plants, the different nutrients in the soil, the geography, things like that, the same plant grown in different regions, they could actually contain a wide variance of what would be considered, you know, the dose. It's also worth noting that nature cannot be patented <laughs> So that makes it kind of difficult to make money on it, and therefore, I suppose, is another reason to create altered and synthetic versions of what nature already provided. Typically, researchers will identify what alkaloid or photochemical or compound is contributing the benefit, and then that will be extracted or isolated from the plant, and then a new molecular structure is developed in a lab in addition to the need for you know studies, standardization, purification, etc., sometimes new compounds are for the purpose of different delivery methods. So intravenous or intramuscular, things like that, versus the oral delivery or transdermal delivery, which is very common with herbs. It, it bypasses the breakdown in your stomach, and it can make the medicinal properties more efficacious. This advancement... Of medicine from plants to these more concentrated, effective deliveries of a particular ingredient is profound. And, you know, for those discoveries, I am grateful. But what's really exciting is that as I research further, I'm finding that as they're developing or discovering new compounds or even going back to what they've discovered in the past, researchers are now putting more emphasis um, and considering more the synergistic effects of the plant. See, I don't feel like nature has made any mistakes in its its purest sense, obviously, so not considering environmental or man-made contributions, but there's a reason that the whole plant exists the way that it does. And at one time, prior to the industrialization of medicine— whether it was a root or a leaf or the bark, the whole component was used, the whole piece. It's similar to what people are starting to better understand about cannabis and the entourage effect that uh, is, is providing some of the benefits. Like without the terpenes, you have a very limited um, benefit. You have a limited experience. It's why CBD isolates are are lacking in true potential, because it's been stripped down to this single molecule. It'd be like keeping the flavor of chocolate, but completely omitting the PEA, which is the, the bliss molecule in cacao. Another example would be like if, I don't know, I told you, oh, hey, I really love your humor. It's awesome. I'd like to extract that, But everything about you isn't quite as impressive. So let's just completely leave out how you love others, maybe how you play an instrument, maybe how you smile. Those things not so important. Um, Let's just leave those out. The problem is, is that at that point, uh, you're not you anymore. (laughs) And in the the process of eliminating everything else about you, your humor is going to suffer too. So this is one of the main reasons that I prefer nature, and, and I believe that some of the full potential of plants have been discarded in exchange for these synthetic isolated molecules. All that being said, there are times when extracts or isolation is necessary, like maybe when a plant is poisonous or toxic or a component of it is. The purpose of getting into all these Things, this information that maybe you didn't sign up for, but if you're still listening, awesome. There is a point to all this. The point is that the industries have copied nature and not the other way around. And supplementing is an ancient and traditional way of human optimization. Whether it was drinking teas or chewing on bark or whatever, humans have added additional substances to their diet to support their body for centuries upon centuries. If you've ever thought of herbs as some subpar alternative, the reality is they are the original. And when they're grown and produced and used in a proper way, they are awesome. I also added some of these fun facts because a few of the favorites I'm gonna cover I found by way of ethnobotany and pharmacognosy. So let me just grab my notes really quick so I can make sure that I don't miss any. Okay, first up is artemisia, and this is also commonly known as wormwood. This is native to Asia. It's actually been used for thousands of years in China for fevers and disorders of the liver. It's a a powerful antiviral And it's known for its immunomodulatory activity. Uh, It's also helpful for people who have parasitic or chronic diseases. A more stable derivative, one that is more consistent, is artemether, which is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. And it's used for several drug-resistant strains of malaria. Speaking of... (laughs) the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. I'm actually going to include in the show notes a link to that list. It's fascinating. And I recommend everybody read through it. I I don't know. Maybe some people are not into it. I think it's very cool because it helps to give an idea of what on a global scale has been given some merit. You'll find things on this list like activated charcoal, which is something that I also always have but I'm not going to cover here, ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, Lugol's solution. These are just a few of many, and I found it to be very informative and also good because sometimes I forget and is uh, giving the credit that it's due. Um, okay, so next, let me move on to the next one. This one is uh, a tea that I drink on a daily basis. It's called Pod Yarko. And this is actually obtained from the bark of tropical trees. And the reason I have it every day is to support the incredible, the incredible work of my immune system. <laughs> it's used and been used traditionally for infectious diseases. It's antiparasitic. It's antibacterial antifungal, antiviral, it's known uh, around the world to enhance immune function and also for treating various cancers. This bark is anti-inflammatory and its antimicrobial effects are well documented against candida, brucella, and staph, as well as many other viruses. It has uh, an anti-tumor activity as well that's been shown in vitro and in vivo in a few trials to be Uh, very noteworthy and studies are ongoing about it. As with all things, more is not necessarily better. Herbs and plants are actually very potent. This is one of them. Uh, If not consumed properly or in the care of an expert, they can be toxic. And it's always best to learn and understand clearly what all of the ramifications are, benefits and potential side effects of anything that you would or put into your system. Uh, it's extremely important, even when it comes to what, what nature makes. Uh, okay, so if you've known me for any amount of time, you know this next one is in my top three easily. It's been on my list for, gosh, 20 years now, and that is chlorella. And chlorella is actually a microalgae, and it has biological and pharma- pharmacological properties that are important to human health overall. It's been used forever as a food source because it contains an extensive composition of functional nutrients, micronutrients and macronutrients. It has proteins and omega-3. It has polysaccharides, vitamins, minerals. And there's been clinical trials that have suggested supplementing with chlorella can treat things like hyperlipidemia, hyperglycemia. It's also protective against oxidative stress, cancer, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's also a natural chelator, which helps to shuttle toxins out of the body. And this one I can definitely feel when I'm not taking chlorella, which I rarely miss it. But when I do miss it, I feel that I'm, I'm missing out on the benefit of its the cellular energy that provides And it's also anti-inflammatory. So um, obviously, for many reasons, this has won my heart. Um, In vitro studies of it also show that it induces apoptosis. And you want this. (laughs) You want this. It's a mechanism in which your body initiates a self-destruct mode on any, you know, questionable cells or old senescent cells who have, um, let's say, Well, they've kind of worn out their welcome, let's say. Uh, And this is one of the supplements that I personally am never without for metabolism, my sleep, just increased recovery time, my brain function. God knows I need need that. It really deserves its own episode. It's just important to mention that uh, the sourcing, I I would say that for all of these, but specifically chlorella because of its chelating – ability, it's really important that the sourcing be specific. Uh, so just don't go buy any old chlorella if you happen to be interested in adding this to your supplementation rotation. Um, don't just buy anything. I will link a good source or two in the show notes for you. Okay, this next one is pretty cool. Uh, it's called saracenia. This is Particular one comes from a carnivorous plant species. I, I know carnivorous sounds pretty savage, and I guess it kind of is. <laughs> but basically, it just means that it eats insects and other small soil dwelling you know, creatures and it traps and digests them through their specialized leaves or their shape. And this particular plant's English name is uh, it's called the purple pitcher plant. And it uses its pitcher shape. To trap its food. The roots and the leaves are the parts that are used for the medicinal purposes, and it's been used for centuries for things like kidney imbalances, flu, whooping cough, chills and fever, and stomach issues like diarrhea or constipation. It's most well known for its effective use against smallpox and psoriasis. Um, and this tincture actually made its way onto my shelf when I was dealing with kidney failure. Of all things, um, I grabbed some of that purple pitcher plant (laughs) tincture and um, it definitely helped. Um, I did a lot of things for that. It was a pretty serious issue, but this played a role and it has been on my shelf or part of my lineup ever since. Okay, this next one is called berberine. This is an alkaloid that's found. uh, It's actually found in several different medicinal plant species and most people know it to be effective for regulating blood sugar. It's similar, in a way, to a more well-known pharmaceutical called metformin. And metformin actually originates from the French lilac, which is a plant that's been used in folk medicine for centuries. But berberine is anti-diabetic in its ability to regulate and balance blood glucose. But what many people don't know is that it's also antibacterial and anti-parasitic. And its antibacterial effects are so powerful that um, it's been shown to be effective against staph infections. Uh, While on the topic of antibacterials, I want to note that the antibacterials of plants are very different in their chemistry and their mechanisms of action compared to existing antibiotics, which are typically derived from fungi or different classes of bacteria, so plant-derived antibacterial function through – it's it's a mechanism of action that is still not really well understood, and those happen to always be my favorite. I just love a good natural mystery that stumps the scientists. But um, for example – so they all work in their own individual way. So for example, licorice, flavonoid components, which licorice root also happens to be one of my staple items, not being covered, but – May as well mention that while we're here. The licorice flavonoid uh, components, they inhibit protein synthesis. And cranberry extracts exhibit their anti-adhesion properties, which prevent the bacteria from binding to the cells. And berberine, it inhibits the synthesis of the proteins associated with uh, the growth and the ability for the bacteria or the pathogen that you're dealing with to actually cleave or attach. It's this variety of mechanisms that make plant-derived antibacterials super valuable and in some cases more effective than conventional antibiotics, especially when it comes to things like MRSA and staph and tuberculosis, which are for the most part antibiotic-resistant. These, well, they're not really new options because they're plants, so they've been around forever, but these additional options for medical research that, provide this function by a different mechanism are actually urgently needed, uh, you know, because of the things that, you know, we deal with as we evolve. And, and plants continue to offer these new mechanisms, um, and there's great potential uh, with plants to, to discover some things that um, can treat what has otherwise been, you know, evading the antibiotics that we have access to. Uh, okay, so next the next two I actually don't use on a daily basis, but I do have them in my little natural medicine cabinet. Uh, they have come in handy several times over the years. I always have a little bit. Um, I actually have them in tincture form. Uh, the first one is passion flower, and this is a climbing vine that's native to it's well, it's native to South America, but it it grows now in the us and in India. It grows all over the globe. And the modern pharmaceutical uses include indications for restlessness, insomnia, neuralgia, nervous ticardia. So, like, you know, fast heart rate, which was something else that I dealt with when I was sick. I had the craziest heart rate. It was like 140 at resting. And it's one of the reasons, well, it's one of the ways in which I was led to this particular plant. Um, And in in the UK, there's indications for temporary relief of symptoms that are associated with with stress and mild anxiety. So this is something that's definitely very valuable, and I have found it useful for many things. Uh, Another one similar is valerian, and this is one of the most well-documented of all the medicinal plants, particularly in northern Europe. So historically, uh, they used valerian in the treatment of conditions that were involving like the central nervous system, so nervous excitability. Um, people have a hard time sleeping, so insomnia. And the parts that are used pharmaceutically are the root rhizomes and Stalins. In Europe, valerian and its various preparations have been approved for the temporary relief of symptoms of mild anxiety. And it also helps with sleep, obviously. Um, and it's a, it, it's just an overall kind of it helps to relax the body. And and what they believe that to be from is some uh, information that they found through biochemical studies, that there's these certain components of valerian that seem to increase concentrations of the neurotransmitter GABA in the brain. And it, it does this by inhibiting how GABA actually breaks down. These increased GABA concentrations are associated with uh, decreasing the overexcitability of the central nervous system. And that would probably explain valerian's therapeutic use in general. And it's it's been advised that valerian preparations not be taken up to two hours before driving a car or operating machinery. It should also not be taken with alcohol according to European guidelines. And it sounds very similar to cautions taken prior to to drinking alcohol, if that's something that you partake in. And uh, this could also be because alcohol also um, has an effect on the neurotransmitter GABA. So um, just some fun notes for that. (laughs) Obviously, again, these are not recommendations. This is just some fun facts about the ways that nature has provided us remedies that seem to have been, you know, forgotten a little bit. They're just hanging out in the fun part of the grocery store, (laughs) but they're actually really amazing. Okay, so this next one is a powerhouse. And again, if you've known me or listened or followed me for any amount of time, this one will not come as a surprise to you as being one of my staples, and that is maca. And maca is a a plant that's native to Peru, and it grows in super harsh climates like above 4,000 feet. It's been traditionally used to enhance fertility and sexual performance in both men and women, and it also has been found to be helpful to relieve menopausal symptoms. In in vitro, maca um, or any of its uh, constituents, they've demonstrated antiviral activity as well. They're also an antioxidant. It's anti-inflammatory, neuroprotective, you know, for your brain. Um, And animal studies suggest that maca may even increase endurance, which is another reason why it was utilized um, traditionally was for stamina. Um, During times of war, they would eat the root, and it would help, one, there's, you know, not much food, you know, if there was any famine – so it was. It provided nutrients as far as the food was concerned. It also gave them stamina and endurance to be able to maintain whatever level of strength was necessary um, during these hard times, which kind of reminds me of, you know, a more modern take on that is just, oh, I don't know, life <laughs> where there's just this constant stress. Our food isn't super nutritious, but we still have to, you know, push forward. So that was one of the reasons that I started using it. I actually started using it uh, more specifically to support my adrenal glands. I My adrenal glands actually were non-functional for a good amount of time, and I was prescribed cortisol because they said I would never have properly functioning adrenal glands again, and I would need to supplement or take exogenous cortisol for the rest of my life. Well, <laughs> If you've been listening to 15 episodes, you already know that that was not the answer for me. So I did some deep research into which which would help, what natural remedies could I find that would support my adrenal glands and not just in a way of getting me through the day, but what would actually help them heal. And over the course of a year or more, uh, they did heal. And I little by little, obviously with the help of a physician and supervision of a doctor, weaned off of cortisol, and um, I have had healthy adrenals ever since. So that's how maca made its way into you know my pocket. But um, as I continued to learn more about it, I also learned about its benefits for uh, Hormone modulating it, it it helps with balancing hormones. It helps with mood. It's considered an anti an antidepressant. Um, it also there's been some studies that have found in men that supplementation enhances subjective subjective so this is self reporting sexual well being and for women several studies found that maca improves. Uh, both mood, so acts as an antidepressant, but also menopause-induced sexual dysfunction. So overall, I I love maca. I think it's something that I will always have close by, and um, it sure has served me well, that I can say for sure. Okay, this next one, this next one I stumbled across some years ago as I was studying ethnobotany in more depth. Needless to say, And you'll find out why it earned its position on my shelf for many reasons. And it's called quinine chinchona. And chinchona is a tree. And its bark contains a compound called quinine. This is what the drugs hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are synthetic versions of. It was the world's first anti-malarial drug, which is very impressive, the bark of this tree is what's used, and it's uh, help, helpful for a host of different things. Um, starting with like the st- stomach issues, helps with bloating, uh, cardiovascular issues. It helps with blood vessel health, varicose veins, uh, leg cramps. It's also been utilized for uh, the flu, the swine flu, uh, common just basic common colds. Everything from common colds all the way to malaria and fever and pneumonia. It's also been studied for cancer, mouth, and throat diseases. Um, It's also used as a topical application for helping to numb pain, kill germs, and as an astringent. It's applied to the skin also for things like hemorrhoids and ulcers. You can see there's quite a list uh, for this particular plant that uh, I love, and I don't know how more people don't know about it. But not only does it contain quinine, but it also contains quinidine, which is a medicine that's used to treat heart palpitations. So anyway, this is part of my collection. Um, Definitely something that I think is an underdog and um, gets overlooked all too often. It was really handy for me when I was traveling a lot and still comes in handy. And it's something that I utilize on a regular basis. Okay. Okay. want to make sure I don't miss anything. These are, (laughs) I have quite the list here. Um, Okay. This next one I found about 15 years ago now. And the reason I found it was because I had been diagnosed with uh, hypothyroidism. I had to think about which order this happened. I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And of course, as per the usual, I asked the endocrinologist, why? (laughs) Why do I have hypothyroidism? i take care of myself. And they said they don't know. So once again, that wasn't the right answer (laughs) for me. So I went into figuring out what is the causes of hypothyroidism. And one of them was an autoimmune condition, or there's a couple of different autoimmune conditions that can lead up to uh, hypothyroidism. So I thought, okay, well, why do I have an autoimmune condition? So we well, I had to verify. Verified it was an autoimmune condition. And then, of course, on went some more research into why. Why would I have this autoimmune condition? My immune system is awesome. (laughs) Why is this here? And it was explained to me that, well, with autoimmune conditions, you know, it's just like an over-responsive immune system. It can't really tell, you know, what is a foreign invader from itself. And I'm like, well, that's not how I was designed. Why does it, is it confused? <laughs> so anyway, that led me down this whole path because I'm thinking, okay, well, there's echinacea, which uh, it increases the activity of the immune system to be a little over-responsive potentially. And then there's things like cortisol or other immune system su- suppressants that actually suppresses the immune system, which is oftentimes what's prescribed for autoimmune conditions to keep the immune system down. And I thought, well, that can't be healthy. I mean, I don't want an immune system that's over-responding and attacking me, but I also don't want to suppress it. So isn't there some kind of mediator? Isn't there something that gets in the way and (laughs) will tell my immune system how to operate in balance? And turns out there is what's called uh, immunomodulatory Components or, or active components, chemicals, compounds. And this particular one is just that. And it is a mushroom and it's called turkey tail. Or I like to call it by its scientific name because it sounds cooler, which is Coriolis versicolor. And uh, this mushroom, it grows on dead logs. It sounds very unimpressive, but it grows worldwide. And it's actually called turkey tail because of how it looks as these brown rings around it and it's kind of tan and apparently to some whoever named it, it looks like or favors what um, the tail feathers of a turkey is. So it's been used for centuries for a long time in traditional Chinese medicine to treat lung diseases, but it's also been found to strengthen the immune system and strengthen it not in over-responsive or suppressant way, but in a modulatory way. And so they're using this in Japan in conjunction with cancer treatments. Uh, it contains a, a polysaccharide K. This is what they believe to be the active compound, or it's also known as PSK. Uh, and it's an imp- it's, in Japan, it's approved product to uh, be used to treat cancer. And PSK has been studied in patients with uh, gastric cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, and lung cancer – And it's also used often as an adjacent therapy uh, for thousands of cancer patients since the mid-70s. PSK uh, has been used safely. They don't have any negative side effects that they've found, and it's been used for a long time in some of the Asian culture for cancer and other treatments. Um, It's incredible, and it really has Contributed to you know my personal healing because when I started taking it, all of my auto antibodies started to go down and it was the only thing obviously that I was using because you know well the way that I add in new supplements is you know singularly I'm not trying to take a bunch of things all at once and then weed through them to figure out what's actually helping. I try to introduce them one at a time and then little by little assess with Biomarkers, you have my labs drawn. You know, obviously finding great doctors that are interested in going along these journeys with me has been a bit of a challenge, but they are out there. So anyway, that's turkey tail or Coriolis versicolor. color. Okay, so next up is zeolite. There are actually several different types of zeolite, and many of them are synthetic, which is important to note. But essentially what zeolite is, is while well, it's not a plant. Um, it's a mineral compound that's created when lava hits seawater. And it creates this structure that's primarily made of aluminum and silicone. And then it forms this cage-like structure that has uh, a negative surface charge. So the, the, the outer part of this cage has a negative surface charge. And it's this structure that they believe helps filter, remove, and in some cases add molecules to things. Some of the benefits of zeolite are that have been found are to re, it helps to reverse oxidative damage. It improves um, and helps to maintain a healthy microbiome. It helps to kill off bacteria and viruses. Um, it's been found to boost the levels of minerals and trace elements in the body. Um, externally, it's help, helpful to repair like skin lesions or um, you know like bleeds. It helps to stop bleeding. And it's also used often as a detox for heavy metals like aluminum or uh, arsenic, I think lead and and for sure mercury, but it also helps with removing and shuttling other toxins from the body. It also happens to help with hangover symptoms, which I know nothing about, (laughs) but it does also reduce blood levels of alcohol and it's been found to remove fungal toxins. Um, in studies, it's been found that this structure, due to its structure, it's actually been able to block the absorption of radioactive elements in rats and sheep. This particular study that I, could, I, I couldn't I could find any way that it's been repeated with humans, but I still find that very interesting. And I do plan to expand my research into this more specifically for the absorption of radioactive elements. I think that's very important Um but zeolite is also good for diarrhea. And in uh, Cuba, doctors have developed a drug for diarrhea us- utilizing zeolite. So once again, it is, uh, it is available in, on the pharma- pharmaceutical side, but nature provided it first. Okay. Last but certainly not least for this list today is shilajit. And shilajit is interesting because it also is not a plant, but its substance is actually formed by the gradual decomposition of certain plants. Uh, Some studies suggest that it's beneficial for improving cognitive disorders that are associated with aging or overstimulation. I don't know anybody who's overstimulated by by life, but if you were, if you happen to be overstimulated, shilajit helps with uh, cognitive Benefits. (laughs) Benefits. <laughs> so if you happen to know anyone, uh, it's also primarily found in the Himalayas. It's been used for centuries to increase – it helps to increase physical strength. It helps to promote health and restore energy. It's also an adaptogen, so it's really helpful for the preservation of resilience and stamina while under stress, which is precisely why I use it. Not that I have any stress, though. <laughs> uh it support <laughs> anyway it supports and it helps to rebalance hormones and it's been found to naturally naturally and to a notable extent increase testosterone in both men and women women in case you're listening we we also need increased testosterone um, except there's a couple conditions in which that's not the case, but we'll get into that in, in another episode. The benefits of shilajit, uh, they differ from region to region. So that's something that I wanted to note. Uh, it's also kind of what I was talking about earlier on in the episode. That's one of the reasons why it's sometimes hard to utilize natural ingredients for the treatment of any particular thing because there's just this wide variance. Uh, but sourcing is also very important. It does have antioxidant properties. It helps to enhance memory. It's been found to be anti-diabetic, it's also uh, an immunomodulator, so it's modulating that immune system, and it's anti-inflammatory and also antifungal. Now, it comes in a couple of different forms. There's powder, there's a a liquid, I found a liquid, and then there's also uh, a resin. It's like this tar. It's very sticky and uh, it's the most potent. If you're looking for max benefits, the, the resin is the most potent, but I will warn you, it is disgusting <laughs> and I have had a lot of different supplements and plants and tinctures and I can handle, um, I can handle it. But this one, it's, let's just say it's gross. Uh, I did leave out of this list a few of my other staples which are things like oil of oregano, colloidal silver, garlic. Um, I mentioned earlier a couple other ones, but these are the primary ones that I I try to have um, at all times. Also, bentonite clay is great. Diatomaceous earth is great. And I'll let you do all the research on those. But that's just what I have and what I've found along the way um, thanks to nature and what God has provided for us um, on this planet. So I think at this point, it's pretty obvious how I feel about plants and nature. I mean, I love plants. I love I love creation. We we truly have been given everything that we need. It's just, it's just there's this fine line between harnessing nature and trampling on nature as if it never existed. Like, do you ever say something that's brilliant or come up with an idea and then you hear or read someone else use your words or share your idea but not credit you. I mean, the the plants, the earth, the ocean, it was all here first. And it all exists for our benefit to coexist with us as this integral part of our wholeness. Most people, they just don't know that herbs and plants led the way in medicine because the new ideas – they somehow, whether intentionally or unintentionally, neglect to highlight who spoke first. And I mean, I suppose that there's reasons that herbs and plant medicine have been stigmatized or, uh, you know, basically been set aside as being ineffective or, I don't know, only f- for hippies or something. But I think it's a shame that nature not get the credit that it deserves. I mean, I have endless stories from clients and people that I know about how their grandmothers or their mothers or or aunties that they would, you know, go out into the jungle or the forest and you know, they just knew exactly what to grab and they would come in and make something with it and uh you know, say drink this or chew on this or put this on your wound or whatever and it always worked. It worked every time i should write a book of these stories i have heard so many of them now i raised kylie primarily in the desert so the poor thing (laughs) she had to settle for less exotic home remedies like garlic in homemade ointments on the bottom of her feet when she wasn't feeling well and as gross as it might sound and it was (laughs) it was even she would confirm that it worked 10 out of 10 times to relieve whatever it was that was going on for her. It's – I think that what gets forgotten or neglected about nature is, the, is that there's this, there's this frequency. Like our bodies, they emit a frequency. All truly living things do. And there's this harmony between those frequencies. It's a synergy, like an understanding, it's this common language, and it's so beautiful and it's complex and it's mysterious but but it works, and I'm you know certainly not suggesting that everyone use these supplements or forego what they've been prescribed by their doctor. That is not the conversation that we're having. I just want to bring about an understanding that supplementing is more than just these artificially colored capsules or powders, but that they've been part of the original design, and it's now seemingly like this, this lost art, you know, lost amongst the jungles of the GNCs and the CVSs of the world. And it's worth exploring new ways to create a medicine cabinet and to have things on hand that are tried and true since the beginning of time for as long as history wrote it down for us, but are now actually becoming centerpieces of cutting-edge research. So as you go through this winter season, these holidays, and you move into this new year, I would encourage you to observe. Just take note of how many things in your life are a counterfeit or watered-down version of what nature already provided. And once you find those things, and they'll come to you. Or you're contemplating a new thing, whatever it is. Go directly to the sources. You know, who is making your skincare? Who is making your food? Who is making your medicine? I I hear so often in the marketplace that consumers are demanding this transparency, but then I stand back and I watch and I realize they're not actually demanding Transparency because what I see is a lot of people just blindly believing what they're told. Go ask the brand. They have 800 numbers. Who is formulating this product? Whether it's a, a scientist or it's the entity as a whole, do they have long standing integrity? What profits them more? Your health or a chronic condition that requires you to return on a regular basis? Do they have your family in mind in the process of whatever it is that they're making? Would you trust them with your life? I mean, if the answer is no, keep looking or find an alternative. I mean, maybe, I guess depending on the case, find someone local who's making what you need by hand out of love and a true desire to do things well and right. These people are everywhere. I have I have truly been in the company of the most phenomenal people in the past year, year and a half. I mean, really for decades, but especially in the last year, year and a half, as I've been doing some smaller markets and events and meeting these people who are making things by hand. I mean, it's coming from a place of passion. It has to because there's not any money in it. It's not super lucrative. But they do it because they have a story. something has changed their life, and they realize there's this gap, and they want to fill it with something that they've been gifted to do and that changes everything it's It's not a huge money maker, and it's exhausting work. I don't know for any of you listening if you've ever done a farmer's market or a convention or any kind of event. But it's exhausting. You have to basically move an entire house worth of stuff into a small 10 by 10 space. I mean, if you're lucky, it's 10 by 20. But it's a small space and it's product after product and signage and all these things, maybe a tent, a pop-up, whatever. And they do this day in and day out. Why? Why do they do this? Because of you. Because of people who are looking for something that they've found a solution for. So look around you, see who's local, who's close by, who who might, even through their story, frequent these markets and ask the people who are creating stuff, whether it's bath stuff or skincare stuff or herbal tinctures or whatever it is, ask them why they do it. And I feel like you're going to get an education that you won't find any place else, which, in my opinion, is the most valuable education. Anyway, all that to say, a little side tangent, <laughs> but an important one. I wish you the most amazing holiday season. Um, I really hope that you'll be able to enjoy time with people, like real face time, like face to face, like hug people, be close to them, be present. Lose your phone. I try to lose my phone on a daily basis. It doesn't last for long, but God knows I try. But just disconnect from screens as much as possible. This is a health recommendation because your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, it's going to all be positively impacted by leaving the electronic stuff and going for what's real. And I'm going to do the same. I try my best to, <laughs> I try my best to practice what I preach. So I'm actually going to be back with more episodes in a few weeks, and they are awesome. I am really excited to share them with you, and it's kind of hard for me to wait, but it's more important that you be with your family and friends and loved ones, and I be with my family and friends and loved ones. And it truly experience the reality of life, which is still so good. So I'll talk to you soon. Um, thank you so much for all the time that you've spent listening uh, to this show. It means the world to me seriously. Thank you for sharing it with your loved ones and you know getting them on board to subscribe and be part of this community that I'm hoping is just a safe space to, you know, talk about things that are commonly left by the wayside, you know, almost like for the insiders or something. But really, it should be common knowledge. Um, I love you. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to share what I've learned along the way and the people that I've met along the way. I truly appreciate you. And I will talk to y'all next year. Thank you for listening to Whole, Healthy, and Free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode once it becomes available on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Until then, stay focused, insist on the truth, and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.